This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to our friend Tim Lacombe coming up here momentarily. Of course, uh, when we have our Jazz Insiders on, it's brought to you by our good friends at Cypress Credit Union. Uh, With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. Like I said, we're going to talk to Tim in a moment, former BYU assistant, uh, former uh, Utah staff member as well, and uh, my co-host on Jazz pre-half and post-game coverage. In fact, uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he is Tim Lacombe. What's up, Tim? Last time I checked, I am Tim Lacombe. (laughs) Hey, uh, this has nothing to do with the NBA, but I want to bring something up because I know you talked to DJ and PK about this, and when I brought it up with Gordon the other day, he called me crazy. So... If in college basketball, they uh, basically make it the Wild West as far as transfers go. I said that you're going to have to give up the handshake line. That's going to have to go away, and Gordon called me crazy. Explain why. Because it already is. (laughs) (laughs) It's already happening? No, no, hey, you give, I mean, basically a free billboard, right, if you give that opportunity to walk through. Um, If a guy's doing his job and that's a guy who, technically recruitable you're all over that thing so yeah i agree with you jake i think they probably ought to just keep this wave like the point like good to see you guys thanks for kicking our tail see you next time and you know that whole thing see there you go gordon what do you think you called me crazy Uh, i'm just i'm just absorbing uh what uh tim a man who i respect greatly just said Okay, there you go. Uh, Gordon, uh, I tried to call you yesterday, and you didn't answer, so happy birthday a day late, buddy. uh, Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Sorry, you called me? I did. But it was was on that contraption, like, you know, like cell phone. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So I know that as I'm getting up there in age, I realize this thing's going to be difficult. See, here, here's here's the thing about what Jake's getting at here, Tim. He believes that that once a player, once a student enters a certain school, that he should never be able to leave. That he should be uh, held to that agreement from now till kingdom come. Not that, true. That, that, I just think there should be a deterrent, and I'm fine with the current rule. Thank you. All right. There's a little okay. difference between that and kingdom come. Thank you. Now, very much. now, kids, not when when Grandpa Tim comes around, it's not time to quarrel and True. make me pick a side. Good oh, point. We, we've been we, we've been yelling at each other the whole show. So, we have. You know, in fact, let's, the whole uh, show. How about the whole month? 
True. <laughs> Gordon, do you want to lay out the ref question, or do you want me to? You want to? You want to bias it? No, no, no. Well, I talked to I talked to Tim about a lot of this stuff uh, last night, but Tim, give us your overall reaction to what we heard in the post game from Mike Donovan, Rudy, Quinn Snyder. I don't know if you had a chance to see the the two minute report from the NBA, but I'd be curious to your reaction to that as well. But what what'd you make about what we saw and heard last night against Philly? Well, I think a lot of frustration spilled over. And, you know, I don't think it's been a thing that's been talked about because I think the point was made that, you know, the Jazz, for the most part, are guys that just play along and go out and do their thing. Um, you know, I would say Bojan's probably one of the – probably Bojan and Rudy in that order are probably the ones that are clamoring for a foul more than anybody else. Um, but we've made the observation that it seems as though Donovan, at least Donovan um, – really does get kind of treated differently and isn't quite whatever that threshold is you have to meet. He's not quite there yet in the referee's eyes. Um, and I think there's more than anything frustration spilled over. Now, you know, a day later you sit back and a rational person said, you know, and you said this last night, Jake, that it probably doesn't do a whole lot of good to go out and say something about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, the one thing that we all love is people to be honest and just tell the truth. And, and so I think there's a lot of that stuff that there's a lot of bottled up honesty that just kind of came spilling to the top. Um, and the, in the explanation in the last two minutes, it's, I, I, I now understand more of what they were talking about. Um, you know, the ball, basically they're saying hit the referee, uh, hit Royce and hit the referee and was out of bounds. Therefore it was Philly ball. Um, and so that, you know, I, I understand what they're trying to say there. I think that's now just kind of a judgment thing. But more than anything, I feel like the Jazz just tried to voice frustration they've been having over the first half of the season. You and Jake, Tim, that there were some horrible calls made. And the fact that in the two-minute uh, paper or whatever list that they have, comes out and justifies that uh, that hooking call on Donovan Mitchell it just makes no sense to me still. And when, when Jake read it on the air, I mean, I'm just sitting there shaking my head saying, that's not what I saw. I saw what I saw, and I saw Ben Simmons foul uh, Donovan Mitchell. So I, I, I recognize that there were some bad calls last night. And I understand the frustration, cause, but I, I just don't think that the officials have it in for the Utah Jazz. I, I, I mean, there are missed calls all the time. You know this. You know, when you were sitting on the sideline, uh, courtside in the college game, I mean, there are missed calls on every trip. Yeah. I mean, there, there are. That's been my experience. And yet I think NBA officials are the best officials in the world. And and uh, but but there are times when they just can't make the right call. But I don't think it's because they think to themselves, "All right, who am I? Who who am I judging here? Uh, who, who which one of the players is involved? Which one of the teams is involved?" And so somehow I'm going to skew this thing. I think they just have errors in, uh, in judgment, and and that that's a problem that needs to be fixed. But I don't think it's a collective aim on the part of the officiating crews. Yeah, I mean, it's funny as it goes back to the whole idea, you know, I remember growing up and being, um, you know, frustrated at times, being a jazz fan that you felt like, 
maybe this whole thing is stacked against small markets. You hear Mike Conley talked about that last night. And so it must be something that at least exists because it, if it exists and there's people that talk about it, and, and I know referees are awesome and they try their best, but, you know, we did have a referee that was fixing games as an NBA official. So I do believe that, you know, the narrative is probably important to the NBA. I don't know whether it goes on or not or if, if small market teams are looked down upon or not, but I've heard enough talk about it that it's, it might be a thing, um, but it's just one of those things that it also could be, Gordon, to your point, I'm way less emotional about calls when they don't directly affect me. Um, when I sit in the stands, you know, I can sit back and say, I can kind of see how ref saw that. And when you're engaged in it and you're t- they're taking food off your table, you know, it, it's a little harder to see it. And the emotions, the emotions do get a little bit cloudy. I will say that from experience. I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but from my personal experience, I'm way less. I notice the wet refs way less at times, you know, being an observer, a fan perhaps, and somebody just likes basketball as opposed to somebody that's kind of living and dying on every call. Jake, Jake do we have, have we had any word on whether there are any fines uh, coming down? Have not seen any, no. Okay. Uh, Tim Lacombe is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim, I want to ask you this question. Then, Gordon, if you wouldn't mind taking a stab at this, and I'm curious if, if all three of us match up, all right? Okay. Uh, cliche question, but but I'm curious to see if we all have the same answer or, or different answers. What is the signature moment of uh, or game moment, however you want to interpret it, of the first half of this NBA season for the Utah Jazz? Um, do you want me to go first, Gordon? Sure. You know what I think? Um, I would actually probably say that encapsulates everything is Donovan's interview with Shaq after the game. Okay. Um, That's a good and, one. And the reason I, I only qualify that, because the Jazz just had an awesome win against Dallas, really kind of ran them around. Uh, it was kind of the height of the streak. And, you know, much like most of – the basketball pundits, you know, the Jazz, like has been said, is it Nick Wright? I don't even want to yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll use his name because he's a moron. But, I mean, you know, the Jazz are adorable, right? That That's kind of the the narrative. But yet the Jazz just played an it's awesome adorable. game. And Donovan throws the headphones on and immediately gets questioned. So I think that kind of encapsulates encapsulates the first half great because the Jazz really are the talk of the NBA. Um, And amongst the basketball people, I think there's a lot of people going, wow, they're really making kind of a a shift in basketball landscape. And then I think there's a whole bunch of other people on the side saying, you know, this is a cute little experiment, but we all know what's going to happen when the playoffs come. And so I think that moment kind of encapsulates the first half. That's a good answer. Gordon? Yeah, that is a good one, Tim. I, I guess I can I cheat here a little bit because I, I would say you? never encapsulation here is either Donovan or Mike Conley or Joe Ingles or Boyan Bogdanovich or Royce O'Neal elevating from the three point line and shooting that shot. That's not a moment. That, it's not. It, I know it's a collective moment. It's uh, yeah. You could take any one of those guys, 
and uh, and and look at the three-point shot that they've attempted because that's what the Jazz are doing. I mean, I, obviously that's a simplification, but it's a huge part of what they're doing this season, and I think it's defined it, uh, along with the defense too. But, I mean, that three-point <laughs> shot is what, what uh, Quinn has really stressed. The moment for me would be when they smoked Milwaukee on the road in Milwaukee the first time. It's a great one because they were Started coming the off. Whole thing, right? Yeah, they were coming off the back-to-back losses, and all the naysayers out there were saying, "Oh, this team is flawed." And then they just smoked the Bucks, absolutely smoked them, and then won the next ten games after that, and then went on to win, you know, twenty-one of twenty-three or whatever it capped out on. But I thought that moment where we saw him just cream. Uh, one of the best teams in the league on the road to get things started. That that was my answer to it. Man, Jake, you know, I really feel like the odd man out because uh, I feel like, you know, it's like the Sesame Street thing when they used to say, which of these doesn't belong? My answer didn't belong with you, you guys' answers. Yours were much better, right? Gosh. You mean uh, pick the... The signature moment of the of the season didn't mean well, you know, the whole team making threes. And you know, I mean, and the defense. The jet, that jazz bear with his long fishing pole from the upper deck, dropping pretzels. <laughs> that was one of the great moments for me, off the cuff. Jake and I were sitting there watching. Um, you know, we, we we watched the big board from the studio, and it was a break, and we were enjoying probably something very nice that Jake bought me that night to eat. And they're showing the bear, and he's dropping a pretzel down in the middle of a pandemic, mind you. And we, we're, we're distanced, and we've got masks on, but about five, seven guys come crashing for this pretzel. It's banging off every dude's hands. A little kid gets a shot at it. And it ends up dropping to this old lady, and she's, she has it in her hand, and she looks at it and hands it to her husband. I, that was kind of the moment for me of – off the floor levity in the middle of a pandemic in the NBA that's, season. That that is boy, man. I can't compete with that. That's a that's, that's beautifully tough. said. That's the answer. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I should have been a writer, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's not too late. Well, yeah, I guess. You know, I guess maybe you could do an online class for some of us derelicts. <laughs> no, I really like that idea because it it, it really does illustrate uh, a lot of what teams are dealing with this year and and what some people are absolutely ignoring. Yep, no doubt. Maybe you know what I should have done? I should have picked – how about that Donovan Mitchell three-pointer he hit late in the game against the Lakers that helped seal that deal? Is that better? Is that better? I don't remember the particular one, but I'm with you. That's a moment. That is a moment. Tim Lacombe is with us, ninety-seven-five and in twelve. Hey, hey, hey! Can I can I interject real quick, Jake? Please. I have a guest with me right now. Who's <laughs> been out of the scene for a minute, but we're driving around together. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Rose. Hey, Coach Rose. How about hey. that? What's up, Coach? Uh, it's a good good day. I actually know my name today, so that's good, man. <laughs> How you doing? Oh man, we're great. It's great to talk to you. We saw you even made it to the BYU game the other night. That, that's that's terrific. Yeah, I did. That was a, a quite a homestand. You know, they, uh, the Thursday night game they had a big lead and barely kind of finished it off, and then they they kind of put uh, St. Mary's out the 
them to sleep there at the end. It was good, good, really good wins, and I think that they they're playing as well as they played all year long. I, I've watched as much as I can, and I uh, I'm excited to watch this tournament. See what happens. Dave, my question to you, my primary question to you is, what are you doing hanging out with Tim Lacombe? <laughs> you know what? Uh, if you don't know Tim Lacombe, then you don't hang out with him. If you know him, you'll want to hang out with him because <laughs> this guy, he, I mean, we had 12 of the best years together, you know, at BYU, and uh, I'm just I'm really fortunate that uh, the guy still likes me. And, uh, you know, we get to get to hang out, and our wives are good friends, and, you know, he just works so dang much. I just can't get him to, you know, settle down. Well, I was going to say, heard, have, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, Coach Ross, I appreciate you lending me uh, Tim this season for for the Jazz. <laughs> he's he's killing it. He's doing a great job, and, uh, well, hey, and I appreciate if anybody, that. If anybody wondered how viable he was to our staff, they don't anymore. Yeah, because uh, the guy's got an unbelievable insight to not just the game, but the people of the game. And unless you know Tim, then you won't really understand what that means. But but he knows what's happening between the people who's playing the game as well as the game itself, and that's what I loved about him. Dave, I want to ask you about what's happening in basketball in general right now because it seems like it's really exaggerated with what the Jazz are doing. But I, I see it all around at the college level and the pro level is this emphasis on the three-point shot. What do you make of the modern game? And it is, it is unbelievable. I was watching a deal last night, and – and I think it was the SEC they were talking about, but they had an award for, um, gosh, one of the teams in the in the SEC who played an entire second half of the game and did not shoot a two-point shot. They shot a three-pointer or a free throw, and they had nothing else uh, involved in a game that maybe they played, I think it was last week. And that, that tells you where the game's going. And uh, I think that uh, – you know, the more that you spread the floor uh, and the more you play shooters. I mean, you, the Jazz, they've got four shooters on the floor all the time, every, you know, every minute of the game, and sometimes five. And and uh, I, I – it just – I would hate to be a defensive guy in the league right now because those are the guys who have really got the challenge of trying to figure out how they're going to stop these – uh, these teams that are just putting uh, space on the floor and great shooters. They're playing like you, Coach Coach Rose, you know, to play <laughs> quick, shoot that three. Do you ever think to yourself, man, I was ahead of the game? Yeah, we were we were ahead of the game. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, we just didn't, you know, figure out that instead of having one or two, you need about seven or eight. <laughs> you know, it's crazy when I got to BYU because you guys have to remember, I worked for Coach Majerus, and, and I've said this before, but, shooting the basketball was a sacred privilege and if you got anointed as such as a shooter then you got to shoot and all the other guys just blocked and screened and <laughs> i remember coming down to byu after that background and watching you know this thing get tossed around like a like a a penny you know everybody got to shoot and i asked coach about it early on and he said man i tell you what i learned a bunch from my high, my college coach guy lewis and that he used to sit over there on the side and what do you have under his, his Dr. Peppers? Yeah, Dr. Under, Peppers. His, under his seat and in an old crate, and he'd sit there and drink Dr. Peppers, and those guys would just scrimmage. And he'd want them to race it and shoot it. And 
man, when I got down there and I kind of saw that, you know, it's a totally different way to go about the game. But you, you guys are dead on. Coach was ahead of his time in terms of the pace of it and then enabling a bunch of guys, you know, to, to shoot it and make plays. I think that's what was really cool about the, the run we had or, you know, uh, at BYU. I think, I think the one thing that as a player and then turned into a coach, and I was a, I was a you know, a high school coach and then a JV high school coach, uh, then a junior college assistant coach, junior college head coach, and then I coached as an assistant at BYU for eight years before I became the head coach there. And through all that time, I really wanted the guys to really have fun when they were playing. And the funnest thing as a player is to shoot the ball. And I think that uh, that's what we kind of – but, I, got, I mean, I had guys, geez. I mean, I had Jimmer and Jackson and guys – who could really shoot Kyle Collinsworth, who wasn't the greatest shooter, but he, he had a great feel for spacing. And, I mean, you think of the guys that that I was able to coach over the years uh, at BYU, and I had guys who loved to play on the offensive side. And the years we were really good defensively were our best teams because I think we were always pretty good offensive team. Dave, it's pretty hard to beat your experience as a player in college but if you considered everything that's happened in your basketball career, if you were to single it down to one moment of great emotion, which one would you pick? This is where you pick seven, Coach. Whoa, this, is not, <laughs> this is really hard, you know, because I think about it all the time. And what I've really done in my mind is I've, I have. I have. I've put it to two. And, you know, the the greatest – uh, experience in college basketball was being able to play in the championship game and having a lead late and thinking you're going to win the championship. Obviously, we didn't. Uh, and the same thing in, in as a coach when we're in, uh, you know, the Sweet 16 and we're in in overtime and you think we're going to win that game and go to the lead eight and you just those are kind of the two moments of my basketball career where I think. I was pretty close, but not close enough, but it was really fun. Well, Tim, thank you for jumping on with us as always. And and Coach Rose, can't tell you how glad we are to talk to you today, and we're so happy you're well. Thank you both so very much. Hi, guys. I sprung it on him and you, so hopefully it was okay. (laughs) That was great. Are you kidding? That was awesome. Anytime. I I think maybe we ought to do a podcast, Coach and I, from the car. Maybe that's a good idea. (laughs) That's a great idea. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. Have an awesome day. Sure love you. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. There you go, our friend Tim Lacombe, and a surprise visit from Coach Dave Rose. That man, that's that was fun. That was great. Man, terrific hearing his voice. Yep. Huh? Oh yeah, and he sounds great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's he's so had awesome. some battles uh, health wise, and uh, for him to come through it like this, I think Tim classified it in his estimation as a miracle. Yeah. You know, yeah. What, I, uh, what Dave is the way Dave has bounced back. Can we make it official yet that that he's the toughest dude on the planet? Has that has that been decided? <laughs> if it hasn't, I think we should make it official. Well, if you if you if you if you beat cancer and you fight back from a stroke, I'm, I imagine that's uh, that's saying something. I I don't know very many people that don't like Dave Rose. Do you? Nope. No. I mean, One I, of the good ones. I I sang his pra- I've sung his praises and I've uh, been kind of an sob to him through the years. 
but he is one hell of a a, a good person. No doubt. I'll say it that way. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Jake from Zero Res, breaking out the big deals for zone listeners today. What's going on, Jake? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing great, but, uh, you know, time is running out. You're doing this special deal. It's incredible, the best I've seen, but you got to get in while the show's going on. What do we got? 30 minutes left? Yep. 30 minutes left. Yep. And, and listen, guys, $25 per room. We don't do that ever. So $25 per room this time of year, coming up on the spring cleaning, get the zero res process, end of the show. You got 30 minutes to call up at that deal. So get on it, 801-288-9376 and 801-288-ZERO. But if you haven't ter- heard me talk about it, I've been using Zero Res for years. And, Jake, you guys literally are better than the other guys because you figured out a better way to do it. Yeah, this, we, we exist in an industry that hasn't changed for pretty much 50 years. And uh, we decided to uh, make a change and, and find some technology and a process and have it tested and basically prove that we can do it uh, not 100% better than the other guys, but 200% better than the other guys. And and it's simpler. No soaps, no shampoos, no chemicals. It's electrolyzed water. It's 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 better, and you'd think that that would be more complicated, but it's it's simple, and it dries faster, and it's safe. Dries faster, safe for the kids, safe for the pets. Uh, we don't use any, like you said, don't use any harsh harsh chemicals. Your carpet's going to stay cleaner longer, and it cleans better than the other guys. I mean, that's yep. it's really simple. And now it's uh, uh, even more affordable than it usually is. $25 per room clean. That's amazing. 801-288-9376. 801-288-ZERO. And Jake is the GM over there, so we know you, this is an authorized deal. It's not too good to be true, I assure you. <laughs> no, it's legit. Call in, $25 per room. Uh, you got you to do four rooms, but... Man, we'll come in and get you taken care of. Jake, you are a stud. Thank you so much for taking great care of our listeners all these years. We really appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Back at you. That's our friend Jake from Zero Res, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Sam Amick next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. How cool was that? Tim Lacombe on with us in the last segment and a surprise visit from uh, former BYU coach uh, Dave Rose. That was just terrific. We'll get that up uh, in podcast form if, if you didn't get a chance to hear all of that. That was great. Thanks to the, uh, both of those guys for joining us. Uh, but right now it's time for your daily assist. Austin, let's get to it. Hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, what's happening? How are you? 
Hello, gentlemen. Hanging in there. How are you? We're doing well, but uh, Jazz Nation's a tad bit grumpy, as uh, was Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley after last night's game uh, against the Sixers. I guess we'll start with the refereeing. Sam, what did you think about what you heard and what you saw yesterday? Um, I mean, I get the frustration, you know, and specifically the idea that, uh, like, Donovan had that one – rough hooking play with Ben Simmons, you know, where they accused Donovan of the hook, and then you look at it again, it doesn't look too real. You got Royce O'Neal with the referee being, the official being in the way on the sideline, um, you know, Rudy, some stuff with Joel. I do get it. Um, I would be lying if I didn't say my other takeaway was like, on the one hand, it shows like this intensity from that jazz group that I like, you know, and the fact that they're kind of declaring, like, we are for real and we're not going to, you know, take this you-know-what anymore. But on the flip side of that, I was actually kind of, like, in my head thinking about the elite guys in the league, like a LeBron, um, like a Kawhi, a Paul George, those types of guys on those teams that get talked about as the top of the West. And, you know, if I was in their locker room, I'd be saying, oh, boy, the Jazz are – it's almost like they're they're having to convince themselves, like yes, we are for real. Like it's a, it's a lot for a regular season game to get that. Um, I don't know, been out of shape, the wrong word, but like, you know, to have it and you know attach that much meaning to it. So I like it in the short term, but they they got to make sure they recalibrate and, and don't forget, you know, that this stuff doesn't matter all that much. Even if they slide to two, three, four in the standings, you know, they just need to be at their best in the playoffs. Sam, my opinion on this hasn't been the most popular on the show today because I think the Jazz, I'm not telling them to shut up and dribble. I'm telling them to hunker down and focus on winning and not worrying so much about some bad calls because I know you know this and and I know, Jake knows it, that in the thousands of NBA games we've watched, we see blown calls on a regular basis. And I don't think it's some sort of huge collective effort to get the jazz, you know? I mean, those were bad calls in my opinion, but that's life in the NBA sometimes, you know? It is. I mean, it's hard to, you know, I can't speak to, I'm sure in Donovan's head, Rudy's head, they probably have dozens of examples that, they could rattle off, you know, top of mind that upset them this year. And then and I'm sure that stuff was all the, the root of it. But I'm with you that, you know, every team can sing this song to a degree. Um, and it, it's just, you know, the small market narrative is one that is not going to get you, you know, score you any points with the referees on the next night, not going to score you any points with the league. If anything, the one kind of admirable part, that I also thought was a driving force, and maybe even more so than than uh, everything else, is that the guys on that team obviously have a lot of affection for Mike Conley, and it is quite remarkable that Mike has never had a technical foul in his career. <laughs> um, and so, part of it seemed to me that it was, you know, it was focused on that element as well. The, the idea that I think is fair that that if Mike complained more if Mike you know flopped more and sold it more he would get more calls that's probably true and so you know here were some of his teammates taking up for him 
Sam, I want to ask you about uh, the piece that you contributed to about the Hawks. Uh, Lloyd Pierce was was fired. Um, and I, you know, he has such a great reputation. I kind of wondered uh, about the backstory of that. And, and uh, you guys really did a nice job reporting on that whole situation and would encourage people to go read it. But I want to ask you a broader question, and this definitely played in in this scenario. How hard is it for head coaches these days to walk the tightrope with their best players? Because these these star players in the NBA have so much sway and are so important to these franchises. I got to imagine it's difficult for some head coaches to to figure it out to do their own job. Yeah, it is. It's tough because even the younger players trade the young guy. You know what I mean? And, and he had a lot of power in that situation. Um, I feel like every team that we talk about, I could tell you, I, like, have a sense of where their coach is at with his star player, the number one guy. So if you go to Portland, you know, Damian Lillard backing Terry Stott to this point anyway has had everything to do with Terry, you know, surviving a lot of playoff shortcomings. Um, In my neck of the woods, we actually, uh, we're going to write something on the Kings that will be out tomorrow kind of analyzing their situation and it's a key factor that Luke Walton's still the coach. It is one of many factors, but like De'Aaron Fox it continues to support him and be very positive about him. And that's another element. So, yeah, with the Hawks, you know, very player-driven, but also the owner, Tony Ressler, you know, I don't know if it's the right way to go about it because he put a lot of pressure on that whole group to make the playoffs this year. And the front office responded to that pressure by handing out a lot of money to a lot of players that I liked their pickups at the time, and they were pretty celebrated in the offseason, you know, adding Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo, all those guys. Uh, but it has not worked out like they planned. So, you know, Lloyd is the one who, who gets hit this round. And then if they don't make the playoffs, I mean, it's, you know, I think Travis Schlank, the GM, could be in a tough spot. Um, but, with Lloyd, it's he's forty four year old first time head coach, and you know putting him with a a young guy and Trey Young who honestly just like at this stage of his basketball life has not really faced much pushback from coaches at all when you're talking high school or playing at Oklahoma, and Lloyd had chosen to be tough on him, and but that was with kind of at the beckoning of the front office and by extension ownership too, and um. Trey just didn't always respond to it. And, you know, it, it's, it is what it is in terms of like, all right, so they make the move. But to me now it's that, that locker room and those players and Trey more than everybody else, you know, now they got to look in the mirror and, and next time they fall short, I think it's got to be on them. Sam, we got a good look at Joel Embiid last night. Uh, is he a favorite for the MVP this year? What, what's your, what is your evaluation of his overall game and how it compares relative to the game's grades. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I wrote that MVP column last week that I think we talked about on the show last week and kind of had LeBron still number one by the skin of his teeth in that ranking and had Joel number two. And and if I was going to do it again today, I think Joel would be number one. Um, the, The health component is big for me. I think at that time he had missed seven games. LeBron had played every game, but it's, you know, that still remains a component, but, you know, he, he's clearly decided to take things to a new level and, you know, not to offend your jazz audience, but because they, they dropped that game, but, 
my goodness, it was fun to watch him try to. I mean, it was so personal between he and Rudy Gobert. I kind of loved the old school component there, and it wasn't. I didn't think any of it was disrespectful. It was just good old fashioned, like, well, you know, the people say that you're the defensive player of the year, so I'm going to go try to get the best of you on that end. And the people say that that you can stop me on the offensive end, so I'm going to, you know, call for the ball every time in the post and, and try to punish you. And and Rudy held his own, but man, Joel put up a heck of a line. You know, hit that big three late, and then Tobias Harris kind of took over in overtime. But Joel's he's been tremendous. You know, I, I don't know still if. If he can keep it up, but if he does, then to me, like I'm pretty pragmatic about the MVP. It really is. It's a regular season award for that regular season. So if Joel Embiid continues to play at this level and he plays, you know, 90% of the games from here until the end, then he'll probably be my MVP. Sometimes, Sam, you know, it's high risk, high reward. But remember back before he was drafted, what was that, 2014, and people were worried about that foot? Well, I'll tell you, if if everybody in the league right. had known how this was going to turn out, they would have gone ahead and let him sit for a while before they uh, reaped all these benefits at the Sixers again. No question. Well, even farther back than that, yeah, I thought about this yesterday, like the process, you know, the Sam Hinkie led tanking for three, four years um, that led to them getting Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Like, all right, it hasn't resulted in a championship, but – that's not, to me, the only thing that matters in this league. And, and the Jazz are a perfect example of that. Like, it, it matters that you entertain your fans at a pretty high level for, uh, you know, for, for an era or for, you know, several years. And Philly's doing that. And now, you know, we get to see if, can they be the best in the East? Is Brooklyn better? I don't know. You know, in that game yesterday, you know, it felt like Philly was trying to prove something just like Utah was. But, yeah, I mean, the process and all the pain they went through during that time, which, you know, Brett Brown and all those players that were so frustrated because you go out every night knowing that the, the goal is not to win, um, you know, it, it's it's uncomfortable, but, it you know, it did obviously pay off in a, in a fairly big way with, with some of these talents. Well, Sam, as always, thanks for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the All-Star game this weekend. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. See you, Sam. Thank you very much. That's our friend Sam Amick uh, from The Athletic. And uh, I, I mentioned this uh, in a question, Gordon, but if you have not read his piece, and he worked with a couple other reporters, including David Aldridge on this, but uh, on the backstory on what happened with the, uh, the Hawks and how uh, Lloyd Pierce kind of uh, fell out of favor there, I mean, you've got to click. You've got to click with your your star guys. And he did not click. Uh, he had um, – he was not on the same page as Trey Young or John Collins, for that matter, and and they did some great reporting on that. You gotta, you know, it's why keep an eye on the relationship between Quinn and and uh, with Donovan and uh, also with Rudy because that, man, that matters. You gotta have your your top guys on the same page. I thought that was interesting what Sam said about uh, upper management uh, telling him to uh, Pierce to be tough, uh, a little bit of tough love <laughs> with with uh, Trey, and then. Uh, Who's there to back them up when uh, there's pushback? Yeah. Well, it's just it's just not how it used to be. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the day where it, Jerry Sloan, for just one example, you know, the end all be all, it just it doesn't work that way anymore. I don't have I don't have as big a problem with that as some old school guys because 
I've always thought that the best way for a coach to operate is is to communicate and to be, uh, you know, challenging, but but uh, but real and uh, and encouraging, communicative, uh, all that stuff. You know, uh, you I hear don't you. Have, but somebody... You don't have to. You don't have to be uh, some kind of. You don't have to be Bobby Knight. You know, I, I never. I never thought. I mean, I know that's. He won a lot. I get that, but that that kind of coaching never really seemed to make that much sense to me. It seemed like love would be a better motivator than fear. But the, here's the hard part, Gordon, and and I'm not disagreeing with that. But the hard part is somebody has to be in charge. Somebody yeah. has to be making the decisions, and players are wrong a lot. <laughs> True. So True. how do you how do you balance that? I mean, when the star player comes to you and says, "You know, I know I'm taking 25 shots a game, but I think 35 is the number I need to be at." See, that's a different matter. And, and no, I, that's it's a, not. That, that's exactly no, no, what we're talking no, about. No, it's different than what I was talking about. I was talking about relationships and communication and the way you uh, you, you work with players. But you're right. I mean, from that standpoint. If a player is going to unreasonably say, hey, I want 35 shots a game, well, is that in the best interest of the team? In his mind, uh, it is. Well, yeah. And, that, and, and that's, that's, the, that's, and that's the hard part. If somebody yeah. has to be in charge. Somebody has to make the tough decision and, and deliver the message that that player doesn't want to hear. But right. that player probably doesn't think he's wrong. But see, that's different than just being an out-of-control coach who demands discipline from all his players, but he doesn't really – uh, adhere to it himself, uh, and that is a, that is an issue. I, I think I don't know that somebody needs to get that under control, or else Atlanta is not going to be what it should be. You know, but if, he, ever, if, he's, if he's making all kinds of demands, that's going to create problems. I don't think that was the problem in Atlanta. He just didn't get along with Trey. I don't think it was because he was some sort of tyrant, or at least that's not the impression I got from reading Sam's piece. No, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Trey Young wants more of what he wants. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's difficult to deal with. All right. Uh, we want to remind you about what's going on right now with our friends at Zero Res. Take advantage of the Zero Res $25 per room offer going on now until the end of the show. That's it. you got to get in. Call 801-288-9376 right now to get that special offer during our show only, only during the big show, only for Zone listeners, $25 per room, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Coming up next, Austin's List on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Austin's List. Uh, executive producer of the big show, Austin Horton, has an enemies list, and people go on it all the time. Who's going on there today? Uh, two entries today. One's a real quick short one. Today is apparently National Grammar Day. I think I've shared with you my feeling on the about grammar police. They're the ill of society. If you're out there correcting people's grammar, you're a bad person. That's just all I have to tell you about that. And this being National Grammar Day, there are 1,500 different national days on the national calendar that's that's there's only 365 days in a year how are there 1500 national celebrations every year doesn't make any sense not official there's multiple per day because they're exactly they're made up and it's we have no time for them but the amazon driver uh in uh north kingston 
Rhode Island. You ever been there, Gordon? Yeah, I have. Uh, is it Kingston or Kingstown? Kingston. Okay. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, Well, I've been there. A man uh, had some groceries delivered through Amazon Prime and Whole Foods, and uh, when he got a notification from his video uh, doorbell camera that the driver was approaching, he opened it to watch, and it was a contactless delivery, so they're just going to drop the food, ring the doorbell, and leave. Well, that all happened, but the driver didn't leave immediately. He put the food down rang the doorbell, and then relieved himself on the groceries. What? Then, <laughs> then, then noticed, oh, I just pushed a doorbell camera and just crouched down midstream to finish. Unbelievable. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was, it, was he drunk or something, or was he just being a, a bad citizen? The jury is out still on, on the driver himself and what might come his way, the... Uh, this man contacted Amazon. Uh, they apologized profusely, sent a cleanup crew, replaced the groceries, gave him $100 credit. But this man also contacted Rhode Island police, and they're looking for the driver to, to further that investigation because it is one thing to do this. It's another thing to do it on the groceries you're delivering, just, on the porch, on a camera. Just to be a bad person. Yeah, yeah. I suppose there's not really any excuse uh, for this. I suppose, no, uh, right. No. Yeah. Even no, if I'm... it's a, even if it's you can't control for any reason, turn the other way, fella. <laughs> yeah. Run, run away. Don't, don't. Uh, so anyway, he goes on the list, he's and right now he's at the top of the list. He's toast because they know who he is. He's not getting away with that. That's ridiculous. It's man. pretty obvious who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's Ooh. not a fuzzy camera. It's and it's got his license plate on the car, oh and it wasn't it wasn't just him. It was him and a partner. Oh boy! The partner didn't do anything, but anyway, he's okay. gone. That's did he lose a bet or something? What you <laughs> I don't know, but that that person belongs on the list. I liked the, the 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 quote though from the customer who said, "I'm glad I looked on the doorbell camera. Otherwise, I'd be drinking those seltzers right now, not knowing any better." Because. <laughs> the I think I think the uh, the family that lives there deserves a whole lot more than a cleanup crew and a hundred bucks. What would you suggest? A tar and feathering? Well, for the <laughs> have per- we finally got you on board? Perpetrator, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> I think at you least know a thousand. You know who's not peeing on any more groceries? That guy after he got tar and feathered, <laughs> or anyone that heard about it. Yeah, right. Or anybody that heard about it. Yeah, you that's go, the whole idea of the tar and feather. Yeah, the punishment for that is being. T- Tarred and feathered? I'm the not person pays for what they did, and the rest of society goes, I'm never doing that. Heck no. And See, the problems is, are solved. Like I, covered in hot is, tar. This is what I love about doing a show with two guys who are an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, baby. No, no, no. Just tar and feathers for some action. Yeah. An eye for an eye would be this customer gets to pee on this man's groceries. <laughs> right. That doesn't no. help anybody. No, this is a this, good point. That we need a punishment that not only. A pee only, for a pee. That, that sends a message. You know? Paying yes. a fine just doesn't cut it. And shocks fear into the citizens. Yeah. You're not doing any of that. You're not even thinking about that if the consequence is getting covered in hot tar and feathers. It's really true. All right, stick around. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is a Thursday, and that means 
The Movie Zone is coming up next. Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot chopping it up. I uh, Quick side note, Austin, before we find out what the poll question is. I saw that uh, Disney, I think it was their CEO, who, uh, who made some comments today that the movie industry or the way that they distribute movies isn't going back to the old way. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I saw some very interesting comments that you know they've been releasing everything Disney Plus and also the in theater. the theater. Yeah, I I got the impression that might continue. Well, as long as I don't like that, I don't love that. But as long as it's also at the same time being released in theaters, I'll live with it. Yeah. Why don't you like it? It just uh, gives the uh, the viewer more options. I don't like it because there's a lot of people whose jobs and livelihood depend on the theaters staying open and frequented and there is a different experience in the theater and stuff eventually makes it onto streaming i miss i've missed going to the movie theater to to watch watch it on the big screen you know i mean that that's a fun night out so hopefully good news along that front get it the way they want good news along that front though gordon now the the movie theaters in davis county and salt lake county you can go there's no they, they lifted it you don't have to be six feet apart. You still have to wear masks, but they've moved to moderate, so you can go into the theaters now and get a ticket and watch that movie. Just keep your mask on. Uh, what's the poll question real quick? Uh, underrated sports movie. Underrated yes. sports movie. So Hoosiers, that sort of thing, that's no, not no, no. underrated. Yeah. Can I what's go? A movie, what's a movie about the donkey used to kick field goals? I don't know. There's a movie about a donkey that kicked field goals? Yeah, sounds like a winner. Okay, I'm gonna Ugh. go with I'm gonna go with Days of Thunder. Okay, not all right. Now we have no time to debate that that's not a sport. NASCAR is a sport. It's not, and that's a great movie. It's hard to do. It takes uh, maybe physical uh, activity, and you have to be at your peak. And it's hard to drive a car that long for that. But it's not a sport. It's a sport, and Bob Duvall's in it. Answer over. <sighs> All right. Wait a minute. Why? Why do you think it's not a sport? Because it's not. You're driving a vehicle is not a sport. Oh, That's a hobby. Hand, that takes hand-eye coordination. What do you mean? You and I can go play golf. That doesn't make us golfers. I didn't say the. Well, being a golfer doesn't matter if you're good or not. It's still a sport. There's a stick and a ball or a stick and some kind of apparatus or you're 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 using your physical activities in your oh, bodies and Oh Austin. You've I seen Tony you, Stewart, right? You you've never been in a race car, have you? I mean those I, I talked I interviewed a, a racer once. He said during a, a five hundred mile race. I lose race, twenty he, pounds he would, in a yeah. race. Yeah, 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 it takes it takes You know, I lose twenty pounds that. in the hot tub. Is that a sport? No, it, take, it takes coordination to keep that car. It takes coordination the, to make a sandwich. Line. That's not yeah. a sport. I'm, st- I'm sticking by my answer. You might not like it, but Days of Thunder, that's what I'm going with. Well, it's not a sport, but it's maybe Gordon, an underrated movie. And Gordon's going with some donkey movie. I don't know. No, I never even saw it. Gordon's just, answer actually involves sports, though. Yours didn't. No, it involves a donkey. See, I think I think racers are, are sportsmen. I, that's That's... That's I think differently than you in that regard. Those guys have, You've never been in a race car, have you? Well, they have skills that are unique to them. Come on, when they're racing the rental cars on the beach, I mean I've never it, seen it's Days of just Thunder. Magic. You know why? You haven't seen Days no of Thunder. No interest in it. Days of Thunder is good. You should see Man. it. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? Guys yeah. turning left for ninety minutes. I there's way more uh, uh, of a movie than just that. The only the only people that are doing sports in that sport. If it is that, is the pit crew. 
The drivers, get out of here. I can't believe I'm hearing this, Austin. That takes that takes so much skill to do that. Movie oh, Zone man. coming up next. Gordon, uh, enjoy your evening, buddy. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. See you. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.